Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the, in the Hindle and in the uh, service folder, we have, this is the feast as our hymn of praise today. And the texts that this is the feast is based on are listed in the margin. Revelation 5, 12, and 13. And then further on, Revelation 19, verses 5 to 9. And I'd just like to read those texts for you as, uh, as we start. Revelation 5 is on page 1031 at the very back of your Kindle, if you choose to follow along. Verses 13 and 14 read like this. And I heard... Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all who is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 12, I've missed. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the poor living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, and I added 14. In verse in chapter 19, beginning at verse 5, we read, And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Alleluia. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. These two texts form the foundation and the, uh, the uh, continuity for the praise and worship that comes from this fairly new hymn. This is the feast. And connects the song of the angels and the song of all creation heard by John in the Revelation to our worship today. This is the feast of victory of our God. Alleluia. When we come to worship, the fellowship that we have is not just with the folks that happen to be gathered here at the it is a fellowship that is also a vertical fellowship that has fellowship with saints and angels that are worshiping and praising God in his presence even now. 
at various points in the service, we recognize that. We recognize that we are not alone. With angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify God's holy name, singing holy, 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 for example, as one of the other times in our worship. Having experienced that God coming to be into our midst in the Kyrie and in the first part of the service and being readied for his presence by confession and absolution and a reminder of our baptisms there that we are children of God because of his word and promise. Our fellowship with God extends around the world and even up into the realms of his presence at his very throne. Revelation 4 and 5 tell that story. And the text we have here from chapter 5 is the climax of that. I'd like to reach back a little bit into chapter 4 and 5 and set the scene for you. Now, in 4, chapter 4 of Revelation, John is invited the evangelist John, the fisherman who was part of Zebedee's family, and having conducted a ministry all the way through his life, is now closer to the end of his ministry than he was years ago at the beginning when we hear about him in the life of Jesus accounts in the Gospels. He's invited into the presence of God in order to experience a God's eye view of what it is to be in worship, what it is to be gathered together on a Sunday morning. And from God's perspective, it looks like this. The throne room of God is laid out with the throne of sapphire, full and, and, uh, and brilliant with gemstones seemingly all around. It's blinding in its glory. And there are various servants of God that gather around that throne. Some known from the Old Testament and the various times when God visited his people face to face, especially in the prophetic writings. For preachers, angels, elders, and archangels, and all the company of heaven. They're gathered around the throne in these succeeding circles moving out from the throne like a like a a pebble that goes into the, the lake to pro provide these circles that go out. And John sees all of this. And they, they have songs that they sing. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Chapter 4 sets up the throne room so we can have all the components of this, this scene laid out before us. And the worship of God is all keyed in on his creative power and authority that he has made the world and everything in it and is working to remake it as well. At this point in the scene, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are represented there in the throne room. However, someone is missing. 
There is no Jesus in this scene yet. There is no Jesus. And when we turn to chapter 5, that is actually a reason for intense grief. Because there's a job to be done. And the job to be done is that the Holy One on the throne, God the Father, has a scroll in his hand. And that scroll has seven seals on it. Seven words that need to be unpacked. The rest of the story needs to be revealed. So far, up to this point, we've had the prophetic apocalyptic prophets sharing the story of God's work with people up to the time of Christ's coming. But, but after that, it gets a little bit vague about what's supposed to happen next. Well, the Father has in his hands this scroll that is supposed to tell them the rest of the story. What's the second half of human history to include? But nobody can open that scroll. Father can't open the scroll. The Spirit can't open the scroll. None of the angels can open the scroll. John can't open the scroll. It's sealed. It's stuck. No one can open the scroll. And so heaven grieves over the fact that no one is there who can open the scroll. No one is worthy. Until chapter 5 verse 6, the Lamb appears. Now, can you imagine a moment in the time of Jesus' ministry at which that might be indicated? At what point would it make sense to understand that Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, the one whom John the Baptist had made very clear was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, would have entered into heaven and pictured by John in this revelation, in this text, as a lamb who was slain, but who now was alive. Well, I put to you that there is a moment, the ascension day, the moment of Jesus' move from earth to heaven. And in fact, what we have here, I would suggest, in Revelation 4 and 5, is the occasion as it unpacks from God's perspective on the other side of that cloud that the disciples were looking up at when Jesus ascended into heaven. What did it look like from God's point of view, from his seat, from history, from, in fact, from eternity? And here we have that view. All of heaven is waiting for the victorious Lamb of God who has now achieved the victory, who has taken away the sin of the world, has defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil, and is now ready to take up his throne at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And in that moment, John is given a picture of how that all unfolded, to see what it was and who it was that Jesus actually was in all that time that he had known him just as a, a traveling rabbi going from town to town. 
the glorified Son of God, received now by angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. In fact, all creation shouting out its praise for the fact that the Lamb of God has done this mighty thing. Worthy is the Lamb to open the scroll. Chapter 5, verse 9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. In fact, John says that they started a new song. A new song was able to be sung because Jesus had arrived. Never before had they been able to sing that it was time to open up that scroll and to let loose all of the things now that God had in store for the rest of creation, for the rest of history, now that Jesus had done the work that he had been assigned. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? Because you were slain. And by your blood, from you have ransomed a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Because the cross and resurrection of Jesus was now an accomplished fact, now God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, having completed his work, is now able to serve as both king and priest and prophet in order to unveil what is, what is it going to be like to be a part of the kingdom of God in this world until he comes again. And I would set before you that that's exactly what the book of Revelation describes. What's it like to experience the world as a believer in the midst of a world that is struggling with all kinds of things? And how is it that the church is given to respond to various challenges that it faces in, the, in effect of, of people's sins, in effect of the, the world's rebellion against it, and so forth? And the primary thing that the church is called to do is to continue to trust God's promises and to shout out his honor and praise in the midst of all of those struggles. Leading the charge of that song and praise are the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, the elders and the four living creatures, serving as choir masters for all of us as we join with them in the song of praise. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Chapter 19 links us up to the end of that revelation story as the bride of Christ and the bridegroom Christ come together to be married at the wedding feast of the Lamb. This wedding feast that goes on without end until the day of our Lord's return is exactly the celebration 
that Jesus talked about within his parables over and over and over again. A king set a feast for his son was getting married. How many parables start like that? So many of them. The king of God is like a king who slaughters the lamb and now there's going to be a feast because the son is taking the bride. In all of our celebrations, we look to the great celebration in heaven and actually make it available here on earth so that along with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we can sing the praise of him who died on the cross for us, who has risen for us, and who now has all the authority in order to unveil the rest of history until the time of his coming to gather us into his kingdom face to face. For now we celebrate his kingdom under the cross and with his sacraments and by his work. Then promises will be fulfilled and all veils taken away. In our celebrations, we peek behind the veil. We're able to look past the cloud and see just as the Lord revealed to John that Jesus is on the throne and his reign continues world without end. Amen.